Welcome to Swamp Mysteries, the treasure of Jean Lafitte, a spooky new audio adventure story for children by author Elizabeth Singer Hunt, performed by Rachel Rosick and Jordan Paul Harrow. In the last episode, Charlie and her friends were saved by the ghost of Charlie's mother. The Gatlins, however, weren't so lucky. They were dragged into the bayou by a couple of ghouls. To find out what happens next, you'd better keep listening. This is the last and final episode of Swamp Mysteries, The Treasure of Jean Lafitte. Bobby Ray and Kenny may have gone communing with the gators, but my mother was still there, and she was still talking to Master Knight. I also understand that those who find the treasure without having committed an act of death are owed the debt of the chest. Master Knight looked to the ground, defeated. Obviously, this means that you will no longer be needed to guard the chest. Master Knight's eyes rose back up to meet my mother's. You did an admirable job watching over Mr. Lafitte's treasure. I'd like to hire you as Chief Protector of Evergreen. My eyes bugged out. What was my mother thinking? I would be honored. Consider it done. He tipped his hat to my mother, and his body flew up out of the chest and disappeared into the leaves of one of the nearby trees. With the Gatlins, Ghouls, and Master Knight finally gone, Oscar, Robbie, Jules, and I breathed a huge sigh of relief. The weather was also looking much less ominous. The black clouds disappeared, and the air began to move. The sun began to shine again. Robbie came running out of the cemetery and made a beeline for the boat. He jumped inside of it and started rummaging through the treasure. I called to my mother and waved to her, but she didn't seem to see me. She floated to the graveyard. I followed her and listened in. My mother and Mama Babette spoke for a while. Thank you for coming to Charlotte's aid. She also spoke to Winnie, Edmund, and Nathan. When their conversations ended, their white wisps went back into their graves. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to say thank you or even goodbye. Then, when I was losing all hope, my mother turned to me. She smiled. Hello, Charlotte. I almost passed out from the excitement. You can see me? Of course I can, you silly. But I tried getting your attention earlier. I'm sorry, but I needed to take care of a few things first. I threw my arms around her, but I ended up hugging myself. I don't care. I'm just so glad that I'm speaking to you now. I miss you so much. I miss you too, Charlotte. But remember, I am never far away. I live on in the painting in the study. I smiled. I had hoped that she could hear me all those years. I will always be with you, forever and ever. I love you very much. I closed my eyes and could feel her hand touch my cheek. Just then, the lights flicked on inside the house. I must go, before anyone else sees me. But what about Daddy? He would want to see you. I visit your father every night, in his dreams. The latch to the back door rattled, and the doors flew open. My mother shrunk herself down into a tiny ball of light. She floated towards the back doors of the house and passed Alice, who was standing there. What the? Alice went cross-eyed as she watched the light move in front of her face. 
That's the biggest firefly I have ever seen. The ball of light made its way down the hall. Alice was going to follow it, but she was soon distracted. Out of the corner of her eye, she noticed the state of the lawn. Needless to say, it was a terrible mess. The grass was ripped and burned in places, and there were broken branches everywhere. There were also patches of what looked like green skin scattered in pieces across the lawn. What in heaven's name happened out here? Oscar, Robbie, Jules, and I didn't know what to say. Alice glared at us, arms folded, waiting for an answer. So I told her the truth. We were attacked by a bunch of ghouls, but they ended up going back into the bayou, so we're all right now. Ghouls? I've never heard such a ridiculous excuse. Wait until your daddy gets a hold of you. Alice paused as if she remembered something. And where are my crabs? I'm supposed to be using them for a crab meat all gratin. We were so busy that I'd forgotten all about setting those traps. <laughs> Sorry. Furious, Alice marched back into the house. The good news is that Daddy didn't give me the telling off that Alice thought he would. Instead, he listened as I told the story from beginning to end. After all, there was a pirate's treasure chest sitting in the Gatlin's boat. I started by showing him the tin box that we'd found under the oak tree in the back garden. It's beautiful. Then, I gave him Jean Lafitte's journal. I told him how we'd met with Ms. Pascal, and how Ms. Dupre had introduced us to the arches in the little red book. I explained how we'd figured out the location of the key and the treasure on Beauregard Isle. You four are some clever kids. I told him how the Gatlins had chased us to our home and how Master Knight had unleashed his army of ghouls. I also told him how I helped save Bobby Ray, but that he and his brother didn't save me in return. They're a bunch of rotten tomatoes. Finally, I told him that in the end, there was one person who saved us all, my mother. Evangeline Marie Beauregard. When I got to that part, Daddy smiled. He looked up lovingly to her painting on the wall. Your mother is something special, isn't she? She's the best thing that ever happened to us. I agree. My father and I sat for a moment, thinking about her. Then, I thought of something. There's something that I wanted to ask you, Daddy. It's about Jean Lafitte. Shoot. Why do you think he buried the map here at our home and the treasure on a place called Beauregard Isle? My daddy shrugged. I have absolutely no idea, Charlotte. Maybe it's just a coincidence. That's what Robbie and Oscar said, but I think it's something more. Maybe you should make that your next case. Maybe you should solve the mystery of the connection between the Beauregards and John Lafitte. As soon as daddy said that, a light bulb went off in my head. I'd always liked the idea of being a detective. After all, my favorite board game was Clue, and some of my favorite books were the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew series. Since Oscar, Robbie, Jules, and I had just solved one of the biggest cases ever, I figured we could use that experience to become a real detective agency, one that helped people with their paranormal mysteries. Sheriff Millette was great at finding lost dogs and stolen merchandise, and local private investigator Husky Gillette was good at catching people doing stuff they weren't supposed to do. But as far as I knew, 
There was no one experienced enough to handle the ghosts and ghouls of Plantation View, Louisiana. What if Mayor Walters wanted to have another haunted house party without the ghost of Mayor Charles appearing? Or Mr. Frank wanted to get rid of the headless ghosts tarnishing his funeral business. Get out of here. What if Mrs. A. Bear wanted to figure out a way to get her husband's spirit to reappear in that chair? Gerald. Or Miranda Blakely wanted to sit down at her piano without something cold and invisible sitting down next to her. There was nobody in our town qualified to deal with these issues. Not even our voodoo priestess, Madame Latreau, had the kind of connections and experience we now had. The town needed experts to find out why these ghosts were appearing in the first place, and a plan to make them go away, or in the case of Mrs. A. Bear, come back. Since we'd just fended off ten green-faced ghouls, an angry pirate spirit, and discovered the location of a long-lost treasure, I figured there was nobody better qualified than us for the task. After that conversation with Daddy, I called Oscar, Robbie, and Jules over. I told them about my idea, and they loved it. We settled on the name Swamp Mysteries Detective Agency because we lived near the swamps, and it was a catchy-sounding name. As soon as the local press got wind that we'd found Jean Lafitte's treasure, they were knocking down our doors for interviews. Oscar, Robbie, Jules, and I were featured in the Plantation View Times newspaper and the Channel 4 News. In exchange for our free interviews, we made them plug our new detective agency. By the end of that week, the agency had logged in over 30 calls and landed our first five jobs. On the same day that Daddy and I had that conversation, he and I took the treasure to Ms. Pascal. When she saw us walk through the door with the chest, she nearly fell off her rocker. What's all this? Oscar, Robbie, and Jules met us there. And together, we told Ms. Pascal the story. Since Ms. Pascal wasn't an antique stealer, she called in an expert from New Orleans to look at the treasure. It took him nearly a month to sort through the loot, but when he was done, he calculated it to be worth $2 million. Because of all the Spanish doubloons, or coins, inside, Ms. Pascal reckoned that Lafitte had stolen this particular chest and its contents from a Spanish galleon traveling into the Gulf of Mexico. The majority of the treasure was distributed to museums, not just in Louisiana, but all across the country. But some of it, like the chest itself, was allowed to stay at the Plantation View History Museum. As a thank you, Ms. Pascal told each of us we could take one thing. Robbie took a pirate pistol that was buried at the bottom of the chest and thought to be owned by Jean Lafitte himself. Oscar took the thickest gold chain he could find and sold it to Tommy Trahan and his father, the new owners of Ragin' Cajun Treasures, for $10,000. With that $10,000, Oscar paid off his mother's medical debts. Hoping it would bring her good luck, Jules took a necklace with an emerald pendant. Wearing it for the pop singer audition helped because she made it all the way to Hollywood week. And as for me, I took the E-shaped key that unlocked the chest itself. Daddy and I had all the material things that we needed. I took the key because it was symbolic. Without it, I may never have unlocked the key to seeing my mother again. For me, the E-shaped key was a reminder of my mother, Evangeline. Oh, I forgot to tell you about the Gatlins. Some of you might have been asking yourselves, A, did Bobby Ray and Kenny join the army of ghouls? Huh? B, 
were they eaten by alligators? C. Did Mr. Fairy find pieces of them in one of his crab traps? I need to get me some traps so I can go crabbing today. Well, you might be surprised to know that the answer was D. None of the above. They were found several days later in a place called Alligator Alley. Alligator Alley is a dead-end waterway near my home, where lots of alligators like to hang out. If you're an alligator hunter with a rifle, it's a great place to be. But if you're there without protection, you better start praying. As it turns out, some fishermen decided to try their luck there. And guess who was stuck in the trees overhanging Alligator Alley? You got it, Bobby Ray and Kenny Gatlin. They were in such a sorry state that the fishermen took pity on them. Coaxing the brothers down, they took them to the Plantation View Hospital. Everyone there was anxious to hear how the brothers ended up in those trees. But Bobby Ray and Kenny Gatlin couldn't talk. The only thing that came out of their mouths was gibberish. In fact, it's been over a month, and the two men still can't string a sentence together. Which goes to show you that dealing with the paranormal is serious business. You have to be smart, cunning, and brave. Like us. <laughs>